Welcome to The Label Podcast, a show about disability, illness and difference. I'm Lucy. And I'm Alice. Don't forget in this episode, I might swear, Lucy might cry, and you can check out details of the trigger warnings on our website. Hi everybody, welcome to a brand new episode of the Labelled Podcast. My name is Lucy and I'm here with my uh, sidekick, Alice Evans. Hello Alice. I'm not sure how I feel about sidekick. Oh, okay. I feel like I, I full on get my own like origin story <laughs> and... Uh, and like personalized on my own standalone superhero you get you get a marvel series on disney plus don't you really oh yeah Yeah. like and and the full-on like you know i hit the big screen um, (laughs) on the big screen like i'm no i i'm I'm, we're not i'm not i'm not miss marvel here i am full-on like i am uh yeah, I'm I'm Captain Marvel. Uh, thanks okay. very much. Right. <laughs> I apologise. Here is my co-host, uh, Alice Evans. Hi again. Hi again. <laughs> How are you? I am absolutely fucking exhausted, yeah. Lucy. It is unreal. I'm so so busy at work this week, and I literally I am getting up. I am sitting at my desk. I am occasionally remembering to eat mm-hmm. and and we yeah. and then I am going back to bed. Yeah, it sounds horrendous. I have missed you, uh, really. I have also had a horrendous week for other reasons, uh, where I've just been generally grumpy. I had to have a blood test uh, this week. I don't like being my arm being butchered by a phlebotomist. Thank you very much. Um, that, so that made me grumpy. I'm just, yeah, I was meant to start my diet this week. Got to about Tuesday and thought, do you know what? I'm like, no, this is not the week. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I'm very glad to see you. <laughs> Hello. Oh. Nice to see you. <laughs> I, I'm glad that my presence is somewhat of a bar. Yes, it is. Always. Always. Oh. So... I guess that means a lot of pressure on our guests this week to kind of uplift <laughs> us and make everybody feel better because Lucy and I are just going to sit here and complain yeah. all day of work. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so this week we're joined by Krista. Um, Krista, would you like to introduce yourself? Um, tell tell the people a little bit about who you are and, and what you get up to. And no worries, ladies. I am awake today. I got you covered okay (laughs) so thank you so much for having me I am uh, Krista Hernandez otherwise known as Madam Chris co-host of the Madam's podcast that's uh that's awesome I'm really excited to to have you on Chris I know that um your podcast has has had a little bit of a uh sort of a refresh recently um you were previously, I, I believe, a podcast all about superheroes. So that yes. I think is a, a perfect <laughs> accidental segue from you. You see, yeah, I did it on purpose. I she figured did not she did. it on purpose. She did not <laughs> do it. Stop ruining it. <laughs> I'm going to give her the benefit of the Thank doubt. You. So, yes, we started out two and a half years ago as the Marvelous Madams. 
And uh, very long story short, we decided uh, back in like May, June, you know what? We're not going to let this sinking ship take it down with us. Um, (laughs) We need to rebrand, reformat the show. And we took a three-month hiatus and worked on everything hard behind the scenes. And we have come back now in August. We are hitting the ground running. As the Madams, where every Monday we discuss a film uh, based on a particular theme that we choose for the month mm-hmm. from a feminine inclusive perspective. Wow, that sounds brilliant! That. Yeah, really, yeah. we're yeah. very cool. We're having so much fun with it because so many times, while we enjoyed up to a point doing a lot of the Marvel stuff, because. Yeah. After a while, quality started to drop and Disney's having issues over there and whatnot. But there were so many times we said, oh, man, we wish we could cover this or we wish we could cover that. And others would say, oh, we'd love to hear you talk about this. And now we're in control. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And like you guys know how important control is for people like us. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, absolutely. Uh, One of our mantras is one of our mantras is, do you know what? This is our thing. We go at our pace. Like uh this is you know we we sort of whilst it's exhausting having like like control over what we put out and what we're going to say and talk about stuff it's really uh quite liberating for for both of well certainly for me um what we can do with it you know there's nobody here saying actually no you can't do that that you know we can just go yes we can we'll try it if it doesn't work we'll stop uh yeah and I, I think it's um, something that as as women and as disabled women, it's perhaps as a as a group, as minorities, it's not something we're particularly um, accustomed to having control. So, <laughs> no, uh, it's yeah, it was definitely running with it. Yeah. Yeah. And there's <laughs> there's a fine balance, too, that has taken me pretty much my entire life to find that balance between uh, acceptance, control and neurosis. Mm hmm. <laughs> absolutely, yeah, absolutely absolutely and i suppose because you've widened the net about what you can talk about as well there's sort of no limits to to the topic of conversations that exactly. you are having and now with full control of our content we can actually oh my god take schedule breaks <laughs> yeah and, and not be beholden to marvel's and disney's release schedule which is always up in the air yeah yeah absolutely yeah, yeah. No, it's, um, I think that's what I like about the podcast. You know, I come to Alice with ideas, Alice comes to me with ideas and we kind of work, we, we kind of meet in the middle and go, okay, that idea is hugely big and ridiculous. What are you doing? Calm down. It's usually me that is, comes with this big idea. Of, oh, let's do this. Alice is like, how are we going to pay for all of this? Um, <laughs> and then, you know, Alice comes with her more, thought through idea and we go okay let's see if we can merge these two together and that's what i really that's what i really like about working with alice because i can sounding board do you find that having you know how how many co-hosts do you have uh just amy so there's two there's two of you in the whole yes um do you find that that having somebody as a sounding board to like help create these ideas is really useful kind of reins you in a bit or does she encourage you to go, no, let's try it this way. 
Oh, a thousand percent <laughs> on both sides. <laughs> we have both had some terrible ideas <laughs> uh, that we've stopped each other from. But at the on the flip side, we've both had things that made us nervous that we had to push the other on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, so it it works both ways. And Amy's definitely more of the um the big picture, sometimes thinking too long term because she's the business brain. Right. Okay. And I'm more the creative. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it, it's funny you say that because I think I'm I'm quite good at that big picture stuff. Lucy's like, we should do this tomorrow. And I'm like, no, no, that's that's only, well, only, only this morning we had that conversation. <laughs> like she's gone, Lucy, calm down. Um, but but then what Lucy is really good at is actually when you sit her down and go, okay, no, we can't, we can't do that tomorrow, but we can do it in eight weeks because I've looked at the schedule and this is how it works. And she's then really good at just getting her head down and planning it and making it happen. Whereas I have a tendency to go, I was thinking about doing this for like Christmas. And she's like, okay. And then, and I'm like, and I don't know and how it goes to do quiet. That. for six weeks and then she'll go you know the thing i told you about i've done it here it's here there you go yeah i totally get it microphone and go like yeah yeah i totally get it because then there's like the additional schedule that i always have to look at it's like okay where am i going to be at in my cycle what day is that all right so what am i going to be dealing with on that particular stretch of time yeah yeah it's um i think having that partnership with somebody that you know really well helps um and i think i think that um and i'm gonna make a a slightly sweeping comment here but i think that for many minorities they have to we have to do a lot of work knowing ourselves so that we can then fit in around other people's schedules and i think actually that really comes in handy when you're at a point of actually being in the you know a leadership position or in control of something you know yourself that you've done all of that work already and you really you know what your limits are you know what your strengths are you know how you will react to things you've you know done the the preparation to i i know that um i there's only a certain amount of computer time i can manage in a day because otherwise my eyes just can't function and so i know that when i've got a huge project on that i've got a deadline for i know how how to manage that and I've done that work over the years. Mm. Um, and I think it's almost a, it's a strength of having, uh, you know, having always had to fit around other people um, because, you know, it's how society is built. Um, that, yeah, that kind of actually works in our favor when it comes to us being the ones in charge. Absolutely. And that's one of the reasons I've really fallen in love with podcasting is because it gives me that flexibility that I need. And, you know, I'm fortunate to work with Amy who understands uh, and our time difference works really well too. So I can do my deep work in the morning because I'm a morning person. I'm up at 5 a.m. every day. That's my best time so that by noon, one o'clock, well, then I can deal with the easy stuff. And if I need Mm -hmm. to mix and match, if I need to mix it up because maybe I have ovulation brain and I'm just all over the place that day, I can just adapt tasks uh, and that's that was one of the toughest things, really, was figuring out my own like personal task management through that body and mind awareness. Mm. Yeah, I can imagine that. Yeah, it's become more about 
prioritizing than anything. Like I realized I was trying to pigeonhole myself into doing certain things on certain days because we see so much at that, like in the self-development space, like you have to pick a system and stick with it, you know? Mm. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. I was trying to force myself to do that. And I was like, no, no, you have to individualize everything like you do. Now, that really resonates with me, actually, because I think for a long time, I would really beat myself up about that kind of, oh, well, this is supposed to be the system I'm using. I'm supposed to be, do you know, getting up and putting my face on and doing all of this before I sit down at my computer or before I do, you know, the next thing. And actually, it is about kind of being able to break from that on the days where, on the days where my eyes are really rough and like, I'm I'm struggling to focus then those are the days when I get up and I take the dog for a walk first thing in the morning because I don't need to be able to see to do that no. because she's a guide dog yeah. but on the days when you know my it's not a problem I know that I can wait and I can if I if I need to I can have an extra half an hour in bed and sit at my computer in my pajamas and start work a bit later and take the dog out in the evening because you know it's about working working at what's right for your body Um, yeah it's pacing isn't it we are experts in in pacing and like not pushing yourself too hard uh, the 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 hard thing for me has always been like if i'm in the middle of something and all of a sudden my body goes no no we're running off of this now time for time for relax time and i'm in the middle of something um i find it difficult to stop what i'm doing to walk away from it so i will occasionally like push through and then i regret every single time i regret it um but it's it's like uh alice and i when when we first started this whole podcast it was about like it's a it's a new set of tasks really so it was a learning about well when's a good time for me to sit and and do podcasting because i'm sat upright in my wheelchair all day every day and there is a certain time now where my body goes okay that's enough now today thank you lie down do not move go to sleep and um yeah that that gets a bit annoying but it was it's about learning you know balancing and pacing when you when you start a new thing i mean i wouldn't want to stop podcasting ever don't ever make me stop because i'm not gonna like i will shout (laughs) through a window if you take my microphone away but um but so it's about it's certainly something that i wouldn't want to give up because i'm disabled that's ridiculous you can't do that so it's you've got to look like learn ways around it and I you know I'm very lucky that Alice was so understanding when we I think the first weekend we did like podcast recording on a Friday night after work didn't we and it just ruined me mm. for the whole weekend I was like Alice I'm really sorry I can't do that again because my body is broken um and so we adapt it to to what works best for us and it's having that on and it's having that um shorthand between disabled people that you don't have to go into nth degree of explaining i can't do this because you go i can't do this and your disabled pal goes yeah no that's fine okay it's fine or even your pal that your ally that understands and goes yeah no that's fine you you we we do this at our pace this is our thing it's made me feel so much better about it the conversations like this always make me think back to this uh moment i had in college i don't know about the two of you but i was I think as most people are a pretty awful person back then. I try not to think about that time too much because I was just the biggest asshole. <laughs> there was a girl uh, that I worked with. I was a tour guide uh, in the admissions office. 
And this was long before I knew I had lupus, long before I knew I had EDS and accompanying thyroid issues, all that. And this girl was a dance major. And on her schedule, I think I was taking a look at it because I was a nosy ass for some reason, you know. Uh, and I saw that she was taking body awareness. And asshole that I was, I was like, body awareness, what does that mean? Far trying to figure out if you have an eating disorder? And I deserve the glare uh, that yeah. she sent me. And looking back, that's about 15 years ago. Looking back, I now think to myself, Jesus, every child in the world should go through a body awareness mm -hmm. class. It should be mandatory, like starting from elementary school, because it could benefit everyone so much. I mean, we have to learn it to survive. Mm -hmm. We absolutely have to. If we don't, well, we know what happens, you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it's just so beyond important, knowing our minds, knowing our bodies, what we're capable of, um, and understanding too, like, this might be a little too woo-woo for you guys, I don't know, but understanding the energetic forces within our bodies as well. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I've had to do a lot of work. I've had a lot of uh, therapy over the years. I've had uh, a lot of problems with my mental health over the years. And um, a big part of that has been about my relationship to my body for a, for a really long time um, because of the nature of my eye condition. Um, like night blindness is is a real thing for me. And so I had a, because I was struggling to accept my disabled self, I would, I would find myself out and about in the dark when I basically can't see anything and I'm tripping and I'm walking into things and I'm walking into people and it's not safe and I'm feeling really embarrassed. I'm feeling really vulnerable. And instead of being able to kind of reflect that that is, that that was about my feelings towards my disability, that that, that, that what I needed to do was to kind of learn to be more confident about actually my, my disabled body. What I did instead was turn those feelings into a, well, it's because it's because you're clumsy that you thought you walk into things, you know, everybody's looking at you. You, you should be so embarrassed and ashamed of yourself for walking into things. And uh, one of the things I remember that I really struggled with for a long time, I really struggled with my weight. Um, not being overweight, but actually with, with my body image, um, you know, and I'd be, I'd be in packed clubs when I'm 20 dancing with my girlfriends and, you know, the other people around me would be, would elbow you and stand on you because they're 20 and drunk and in a club and it's just what happens. Mm -hmm. But my, my brain, I, I had trained my brain to see that as being my fault. So I was going, oh, well, if I was thinner, I wouldn't have been in their way. They'd have been able to get past me. They'd have been able, you know, that wouldn't have happened. And if, if I had had that kind of that, that body awareness from an early stage, I would have, I think, had the, the tools to be able to kind of recognize my environment and the environmental impacts of um my my self-identity and my 
the way that it then presented, you know, in me physically and mentally. Um, and it's just, it's just one of the, it's, it's so difficult because those kind of thought patterns are so encouraged and ingrained in society, not just for disabled people, but, you know, across the board of the self-blame, this is your fault. This wouldn't have happened if you were better. Yeah. yeah. And it's the whole idea of, you know, women not being allowed to just take up space in the world, yeah. that mm -hmm. we have to fight for that in general, to be heard, to be properly seen. Mm -hmm. uh, so when, you know, we have chronic illness, disability, limitations, whatever it may be, you know, the world tries that much harder to make us invisible. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I was... I was marginalizing myself for years because that's what everybody, that's what the world outside was telling me I should be doing. It's the whole internalized ableism thing, isn't it really? I can remember going to my GP when I um, was really struggling with pain and he, he, he asked me a very simple question. I think it was like something as simple as how are you? And I kind of went. I'm, I'm all. I'm all right. I guess, I guess, I guess I'm all right. I'm because I like don't like to whinge about my pain too much. Do anyone? Nobody. Nobody likes to hear the whinging disabled person in the corner because otherwise we're just we're living up to the stereotype. And um, he sort of asked again. He was like, "No, so how's how's your pain?" And I burst into tears. And the whole time while I was sat there crying to the doctor, I was thinking, "You've got to stop crying, Lucy. There's far more people that." worse off than you stop crying stop crying and i went i'm really sorry for crying he was like lucy it's, it's fine like this you have so much other stuff to put up with that it's all right to have a bit of a whinge and a mo i'm not going to think any less i'm like i'm the doctor i'm here to help and he, yeah, i'm so glad your doctor <laughs> reacted that way yeah he was he was i mean he's so he's so lovely bless him um and I sort of calmed myself to any, you know, we, we got to the bottom of it and we we built up this routine of this is what to do. Like he said, he said, if your pain gets so bad that what you need to do is lie down, don't sit there thinking, I can't go to bed at half past two in the afternoon because your pain is so bad. And what, what are people going to think of you? He was like, if you're if you're hurting, go and lie down. Um, so that's what that's the voice I have in my head every time when somebody it, goes. Yeah, it's it's so hard for, for women to express any kind yeah, of weakness absolutely. to be taken seriously. I mean, my husband uh, is in the military and on Thursday, since it's a long family Labor Day weekend, they had like a sports day or whatever. He came home and complained for four hours that he's twisted his ankle playing kickball. <laughs> <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I have, I have kind of, I have, I think, I still have internalized ableism all the time. Of course I do. I'm always never going to go away. Um, but it's definitely got better. And I think it's definitely got better since doing, you know, presenting a podcast where you're listening to other people's stories and going, actually, it's not just me that, that feels like this is a bit shit. I'm a bit shit. Everything's a bit <laughs> shit. You know. <laughs> it's, it's funny when you were talking then telling that story about your visit to your GP, and how supportive he was and and how how well he kind of listened and and gave you that space it made me and you you when you were talking about you know nobody wants to be that stereotypical disabled person being bitter and whining in the corner 
And it was funny, it made me think of a conversation that I had with um, a family member recently. Um, we were discussing someone we know who's uh, got a health issue that may now be unresolvable. Um, and it's going to have a, a big impact on their life. You know, they're not they're not going to die, but um, it means that they may have to change their job. They may have to change their lifestyle quite significantly. And um, and the family member I was talking to when 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 the conversation was, oh well, there might not be a surgery option. This person may go to the consultant, and the consultant may say there's no point us operating because the operate the the trauma of the operation is not going to be worth the outcome and this person said to me oh well it's basically like passing a death sentence that that's awful and i went no no it isn't it's basically saying that medically we we don't think we don't think it will improve the situation that you're in mm. and I listening to what you were saying there, I was it made me think, you know, that almost as though there are and it is it is definitely a stereotype, but I think there's almost a fear, more of a fear amongst the disabled community that people sit there and go that the other people are going, Oh, disabled people, all they do is bitch and whinge about how miserable they are. Yeah. But actually that what non disabled people out there in the world are doing it's they're not they're not seeing the bit bitterness because they pity us so much mm. i think as well it's like for me that if i if i show on the outside that something is hurting me and upsetting me so much that it's got to the point where i'm crying in public everybody goes oh well she's sad because she's in a wheelchair and actually i'm not sad because i'm in a wheelchair yeah i'm sad because it's hurting me i've not slept yeah. for three weeks yeah. And actually, I just want to be comfortable in my own skin. Do you know what I mean? And that's exactly the point that I made about, you know, this person. I was like, it's not a death sentence no. that they've got to change their lifestyle mm. and they may have to change their job. It's it's a, a lifestyle change. It's, a, it's something that they're going to have to become accustomed to. They're going to have to accept the new, their new way of living. Yeah. But it's not so bad that they're going to spend their whole, the rest of their probably 40 to 50 years of life sitting around crying, going, oh, woe is me. I was sick once. Well, the big problem is that doctors, Western doctors and Western medicine often make it sound to healthy people like a death sentence. Yeah. yeah. That, that's definitely how I felt when I was 13. And they first, of course, gave me the catch-all diagnosis for uh, every woman in pain of fibromyalgia. Okay. Yeah. And, yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> I'm a 13-year-old girl, and this uh, rheumatologist, who I firmly believe rheumatologists are the most useless uh, specialty in all of medicine. <laughs> I've had enough of them that I think I can uh, safely say that. <laughs> she spent five minutes with me. And said, yeah, you have fibromyalgia. Um, take this little milligram thing uh, to regulate your sleep cycles at night. Get a half hour of exercise every day. See you in six months. Oh, by the way, okay. you, you might be in a wheelchair by the time you're in college. If you can even go to college. Have fun. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. I had to take it upon myself at 13 with not much support at home for a number of reasons to completely change my lifestyle. I was also obese at the time. 
And I've spent the last 22 years, you know, pushing that boulder up a hill. Uh, and the doctors have been, were the biggest obstacle there mm -hmm. for 20 plus years. Yeah. Um, I mm -hmm. gave up Western medicine completely um, a couple of years ago. I started uh, with acupuncture back when we were in living in San Antonio. And then by chance, thank you, Groupon. How many people ever say that? Um, <laughs> I found my angel, uh, my naturopathic doctor who still works with me virtually now, who yeah. has unquestionably saved my life and given me not a life back, but like just given me a life yeah. again. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, I think, uh, you know, being being able to, you know, when when you suffer with pain and things like and discomfort, you are willing. A, a lot of when I've been to the doctors, like I go for consultations with new new neurologists or new doctors, and we discuss where I am and what I'm doing and all, and what I feel is not going so well. So like, oh, I've developed this new pain, and I don't know if it's staying here. Is it here to stay forever or is just set up holiday home in my leg? I don't know what, whether it will, you know. And they they talk to me and they say, well, have you tried X, Y, Z? Uh, because if you haven't, I would. So I go away and I try it. And nine times out of 10, um, it works. Or or at least I will try it. Um, and I, I do as I'm told. The amount of people that go to the doctors, seemingly go to the doctors, must go to the doctors, uh, and they are told, well, have you tried this? And then they don't, and then go back to the doctors a year later and go, still, still, pain's still there. Well, have you been do this? No. Um, it makes you wonder, well, why, why are you telling the doctor in the first place kind of thing? Um, but I am also willing to try other things as well. So not just the, because I, I don't want to be on pills and tablets all of the time like there was a time and a place for pills and tablets but if i can do other things in my life to help ease that naturally then i will so it could be meditation it could be healthy diet it could be vitamins and supplements and things that i know work um yeah, I, I could have written a book over the years just on yeah. the things that I've tried. Yeah. And I think it's going back to that knowing your own body yes. thing. Yeah. Like, you know, the thing that I would say for some of the people who do go to the doctor and say, um, I'm 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 having this issue. And the doctor goes, Have you tried this? And the person doesn't, and then comes back and is like, I've still got this issue. You know, one of the things I would say is sometimes actually those the things that the doctors suggest then they're not right for everybody they're not going to work for everybody and some people know that they know that when they're sitting yeah. in the chair that when the doctor goes oh you need to start walking for 20 minutes every day and there are going to be people who whether it's for health related issues or whether it's a lifestyle thing that it's it's simply not going to work for you. i've been um i have I have a rough time with adult acne. In the grand scheme of things, it's not it's not my biggest complaint. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't but... mean to laugh like that. It was just the way you went in the grand scheme of things. Like on the list of things we're talking about today. Yeah. So the buttons yeah. at the bottom. Yeah. yeah. Um I do I do I do definitely get upset and a bit frustrated that I'm a fucking 35-year-old woman and I've got a face like a 14-year-old boy. Can I just um, say though, your face is beautiful, Alice? 
is I always think your face is beautiful. So, and I'm not just Thank saying you. that because I'm your mate. Genuinely, your face is lovely. Thank you. You're very welcome. Um, <laughs> um, but one of the things that the doctors have really been, I was on a, I had a, re, a medication regime that worked really, really well for me for about two years. And then I saw a new GP and they went, well, you can't be on these. That's not allowed. No, 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 no. And I was like, but it works. And they're like, no, no, you can't, you can't have. I don't care if two, it works. No. Can't have two different creams. That's not allowed. <laughs> Um, and so they took me off it and that was two and a half years ago and I haven't found anything that works since and my latest thing that the GPs put me on is uh, a new antibiotic regime and they're like you need to take the two of these twice a day and I'm I'm terrible yeah. at taking meds in the morning I just I just forget and they're the sort of things they're quite heavy duty if I don't take them with food I'm gonna get nauseous yeah and it's just it just doesn't work for my lifestyle and so I'm gonna have to go back to this doctor and say it's not working and it's not not working because of the med you've not given me the right medication it's not working because i only take them twice a day three days out of seven because i forget because i've got other shit on like to do and th there's a lot going on with that because so many western doctors don't have any clue how to treat women for any kind of symptoms like they're trying to treat you topically with antibiotics and all that. And they're probably just trashing your gut oh, and your immune yeah, system yeah, yeah. rather than dealing with the hormonal imbalance. I know because you can see my own jawline here, you know? Yeah. yeah. I am. Uh, I, and I just, I, every time I take one, I think I'm just pissing antibiotics back into the sea and ruining everyone else's immune systems because yeah. it's going into our seawater and into our fish and into our drinking water. And it's like, you're giving me unnecessary antibiotics when I had a system that fucking worked. Right. Yeah, but that's the thing is these MDs, they're by and large, there are some good doctors out there and well-intentioned doctors, but they're terribly trained. And the pharmaceutical companies run the industry They and the insurance companies run the healthcare industry, you know? Mm. So a lot of times uh, you're right about that, Alice, is that the things the doctors are telling us to do aren't good. And, but Lucy, your point is also 100% spot on. Um, I lived in a household uh, very much like what you uh, talked about. And I had to see that every day where I had parents doing absolutely nothing to help themselves and complaining constantly about mm. illness or punishing themselves with illness while I was pushing that boulder up a hill. And that's the thing that so many people don't understand is that it truly is, uh, like you said, Alice, a lifestyle change. It's yeah. not just popping a pill. Mm. You can do that, sure. It's not really going to help you uh, no. most of the time. It has to be a total systemic change. And that needs to be matched by the healthcare industry. I mean, I had, I had an appointment with a cardiologist. This was back when I was on, they had me on so many meds. They were killing me, uh, mm. these doctors. And I was letting them do it for a while. I walk in there. This guy was like, uh, you know, Dr. Cox from Scrubs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. But meaner. Like Dr. Cox <laughs> was well-intentioned. This yeah. guy was just mean. He tells me, he looks at like the stuff I'm on. He's like, nope, I'm going to switch this, switch this, switch this, switch every medication for heart palpitations, for heart issues. I said, but wait, 
I, I've got this going on with my thyroid and this. He literally says to me, oh, I don't need to know about all the metabolic stuff. I'm just here for your heart. Okay. And I thought to myself, did you miss the day in medical school where they showed you everything's connected? Yeah. I was just going to say that. I was like, this is, he's not looking at heart on a tray. This is a person in a body with a whole mix of other shit. I mean, yeah, I left there crying and never went back. Yeah, that that is one thing I would say about the NHS that there, are, there have been, not necessarily for me, but for maybe friends of mine that I do think that sometimes they, if you go to one department, they focus on one thing and one thing only. Yeah. They don't then look at the whole person and go, okay, so you're you're also working with this team and this team and this team. We all need to get together and meet with the patient in the same room so we can get to the bottom of what this problem is. It's, it's not even when it comes to a specific issue. Um, in, in my job, I work for a charity, um, that advocate for people with learning disabilities and autism. And one of the parts, probably most challenging parts of my job is once a month, I attend case reviews for people with uh, learning disabilities or autism mm -hmm. in my area who have passed away and whose deaths, uh, the reviews are there to establish whether their deaths could have been avoided. And time and time and time again, I, I cannot tell you how many young people I have seen die because of uh, fecal impaction. Mm. People who have had chronic um, constipation and died because of it. And people look at, you know, nurses, doctors look at this patient sheet and go, they've got a learning disability. The, the constipation is behavioral related. We're going to give them a... Um, we're just we're, we're going to give them a laxative and send them on their way and then six weeks later that person's dead dead because their intestines are so backed up with feces that you know there are people who who get infections in their stomach because they're backed up that is you know young men who look like they're eight months pregnant because of how back to it's Terrific. awful terrifying hideous stuff mm. and i'm every time it happens i'm sitting there going did nobody have a conversation with this young person about where this is coming from has nobody had a conversation with them to go well maybe it is behavioral maybe it's their diet if it's behavioral has anybody done any work to try and explore why they are finding it so difficult yeah. to use the bathroom yeah yeah because nobody wants to be constipated we've all had an upset stomach in our life like no one wants that someone who's chronically constipated yeah. if you can if you can find a way to accessibly and inclusively support them and engage them in in a a healthy toileting diet process yeah. people are going to be like oh my god it feels so much better to not be constipated yeah so people just go Oh, look at the diagnosis. That's what the issue is. Yeah, it's like their their it's like their condition becomes the only thing that they are. Oh, that explains everything. Yeah. You know, uh, yeah. uh, there are a lot of things with my body that are explained because of cerebral palsy. There are a lot of things that are a side effect of the cerebral palsy. But um, I am extremely lucky to be able to communicate that to 
medical professionals when I go to a hospital or a doctor's appointment, I can go, look, I know what's causing this, but I need, I need you to, I know, I am aware of it. I need you to help me find a way. I can't imagine how frightening that must be for somebody who may not be able to communicate it as well to go to a doctor and just have you poo-pooed as well they've got a learning disability write them off send them home with with a packet of whatever and and i think it's so it's it's archaic to say oh well this person's problem is because of their disability if i break my leg it's probably it might be because i didn't see the car that hits me i didn't break <laughs> my leg because i'm fucking blind no. the two it's it's and it's this, essentially the same logic yeah. and it's it's nonsense mm. yeah and that that's been a real challenge for me is trying to figure out when it comes to symptoms what's causing what is separating one condition mm. from another. And that yeah. took a while. So I'd like, I finally understand now, oh, thank God the EDS is very mild. Mm-hmm. Um, I basically have to, I've never dislocated anything, but I have to be uh, very mindful of the way I move. No running, uh, no. no lifting weights. It's overrated anyway, running. Don't... Oh, it is. Please, <laughs> last night... Last night, I took my uh, little monster to the dog park, and I had to jog for like (laughs) maybe 40 yards because she pooped far away from me. And if I don't get in time, it turns into a snack. Okay. Yeah. Dogs. Yeah. 40 yards. I was like, this sucks. And then, like, I do the rowing machine during the week. I've come a long way with workouts. I do yoga. I do the rowing machine. But just 40 yards of that light jogging, I'm like, fuck this. (laughs) the one thing as someone who does love running the one thing i will say about running is that if you take like a week off running your stamina's fucked you're basically like you could be ready to run a marathon and then you take a week off and by the time you come back you're basically down to like i'm out of breath after getting up the stairs yeah and my skin too like (laughs) i bruise like a peach Mm -hmm. amy will amy will tell you stories about my face and the colors <laughs> I turned like how how she she said to me one time, uh, we were fortunate enough to have some great interviews last year. One of the uh, wonderful women we interviewed was uh, Elizabeth Olsen's stunt double. Wow! Oh, wow. And at the end of the interview, <laughs> toward towards the end, thank God because I couldn't have lasted. Uh, out of nowhere, unbeknownst to us, I was not prepared. Uh, she mentioned how she got to be on set of Loki for a couple of days and met Tom Hiddleston. (gasps) Amy said to me, Krista, I never knew a person could actually turn green. I thought it was only in books. (laughs) Oh my God. This this face just hides nothing. No. I actually, the last rheumatologist I ever went to, this guy was, this guy was something else. Uh, He was about seven years old. I was so glad my husband came with me for the appointment because he understood at that point. Um, He asked me a bunch of questions. Okay, he was thorough. But now you ladies can see me. The listeners cannot. Um, So you can tell them for me how ridiculous this question is. He looks at me (laughs) and asks me, have you ever worn sunscreen? (laughs) Okay. Right, yeah, yeah. Would you like to describe yourself for our listeners a little bit, Krista? (laughs) 
Give well, them a bit of context. Put it this way. If I've never worn sunscreen in my life, I'd be dead. Yeah. Um, I'm tan yeah, right now. This well, is tan. I, this, wow. I, yeah. I was going to say, I think my complexion is probably darker than I, yours. Wow. Yeah. No, that is quite like milk bottle white. Yeah. This is my very first tan line in my 35 years that other humans can see. Okay. <laughs> see, I'm a bit like that. I go like... I, I'm not, I'm one of these, because I am quite pale, very pale. In fact, if I don't wear makeup, somebody somebody will go, are you all right? You look very poorly. Um, <laughs> and I'm like, no, I'm fine. I just didn't want to put my face on today, but thank you. Um, this is just, this is just what I look like. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. cheers. Thanks. Yeah, I understand because I have the butterfly right <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It um, used to be really bad. It used to be, look. it used to look like I was perpetually sunburned. Yeah. Really? Now it just likes I now it just looks like I have blush on when I actually have nothing on my I, face. So I I will burn like a bleach. I when I put makeup on, as I said to Alice this morning, just before Krista joined us, I went to shut the cupboard door in uh, my bedroom where we record because you can see into my wardrobe. Uh, and I looked in the mirror, and as I looked in the mirror, I was like, oh, my cheeks are very red. It looks like I've been slapped around the face for half an hour. Uh, but yeah, I, I burn like proper red. And I, some people go red for a while, and then they slowly fade to That's me. Nice I go, I go, I go like a lobster colour, and then I go very nice brown. i just go from lobster back to milk bottle again it's quite depressing really um yeah yeah i was so, i was so excited a couple of weeks ago so we're going to uh universal studios orlando in a few weeks for vacation wow. and i was on amazon looking for sunblock because i can't buy sunblock in a store like, no <laughs> and i was so happy because i found uh a new one and I said to my husband, I said, oh, babe, look, Coppertone now makes SPF 100. And he's like, oh, yeah, is there a picture of you on the bottle? <laughs> <laughs> oh, you the bottle. Like, you know, like they in the, in the UK, they had, a, what was that a bubble bath called? It was like matey bubble bath where they oh, used to look like a sailor, yeah. didn't it? On the, yeah. it? On the outline of a sailor. It's basically, <laughs> I think we should put it was, Krista on the children. bottle. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we should put Krista on the bottle, not like just just Krista, it's Krista's bottle. Oh yeah, be like like your own version of like the Mrs. Butterworth shape. <laughs> yep, I've got like board. Sarah. I've got SPF fifty board shorts ready to go. I've got sun shirts. I'm gonna be timing it eighty minutes. <laughs> that's uncovered. We had a play. we had a heat wave a few year, a few weeks ago. We had a heat wave over here in in the UK and. Uh, I was scrolling through Amazon, something unrelated to sunscreen protection. But it, you know how it comes up with like suggestions for you? And what I was like, what is that? And it was a, a, a sun umbrella thing, which is turn on, mm-hmm. like a parasol. But instead of being on a parasol stick, you tied it round your chin and wore it like a hat. I was like, no, 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 it's just going, that's going too far drawing the attention right. to me, isn't it, really? I was going to say, yeah, it's a bold it. fashion choice. I would wear that. If I was by myself, I'd wear it. My husband, on the other hand, would be like, yeah, I'm not being seen with you. Yeah. I'll, I'll sit in the car. Like, I'll fair. sit in the car, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I'm terribly pale. It's, it's I, I can't get over 100. No. 100. I can't get. I wear 50. I, I went to France uh, for a week and it was like a 40 degree heat. And I was like. <laughs> Is 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 fifty too much? Am I gonna get a tan with a fifty? You did because I saw you after that, 
And I went, oh, you've got a nice tan. He went, thank you. You're the only one that's noticed. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I, I didn't know I didn't know they made a hundred. <laughs> no, I didn't know either. That's basically like emulsion, isn't it, really? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I would have been in my element back in like the 19th century of the full body. Yeah, <laughs> Victorian, Victorian. Yeah, very pale, got a, delicate. You really, got to got to rock that like full with one of those like boot. What they could have bustle thing in yeah. the back as well, just in yeah. case. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, that. Um, yeah, but it's like my face as well. When like when people are telling me things. <laughs> my face i cannot hide irritation excitement shock like like somebody's like yeah like, like somebody will tell me something they're like lucy tell, what's the matter and like nothing i'm fine and they're like can you tell your face because you don't look fine you yes. look cross very yes, mad. I also I also have like it's gotten much much better with all my homeopathic treatments and everything but I also have very um immediate uh nervous system reactions mm -hmm. to things okay. wow so uh depending on the situation the the sweat can become instant <laughs> I know because I, I know people as well that they get like a red rash like on the chest or up on the neck, like when they're talking, especially like if we're in a meeting and they've got to talk about something that's very um, delicate issue and there's there maybe chance for uh, confrontation, they will start to go red and red and uh, until they stop talking and then it sort of like disappears very slowly. Like, yeah, you're, you're nervous, aren't you? I can tell by the look on your face and the red rash that you are nervous. Yeah, and two, when you're nervous, that's the last time you want to have to tell somebody you have to go pee. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They go hand in hand. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it sounds like, Krista, you've had some really uh, interesting, cool guests on your podcast. Um, why don't you tell us a little bit more about your show and some of the where, where people can find you, some of the stuff that they've, uh, they, they should go and hunt you down for. Yeah, so we had, have had a lot of fun with our guests. We're always working on... Uh, bringing new people onto the show. Uh, we had the absolute priv privilege of talking with uh, CC Ice, as I mentioned, Elizabeth Olsen stunt double, but also uh, AC Bradley, who was the head writer of uh, Marvel's What If, the animated wow. show. That's very cool. Yes. Uh, we had a few others. Uh, our biggest interview uh, thus far was with uh, Natalie Holt, the composer of Loki and more recently the Obi-Wan Kenobi show. Wow. Wow. Yeah, she is absolutely fantastic. That's very cool. Um, so are you are you guys kind of exclusively female guests or kind of trying to to explore the kind of uh, because I imagine Disney's a pretty male heavy um place to work. So I'd be really go on. So what's nice now is that we can really branch out. We have a lot more mm -hmm. room to work with as far as interviews goes. Mm. As far as interviews go, uh, because we, we have so much more control now, uh, we did interview uh, one gentleman, uh, Joel Stouffer, who was uh, a later season star of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., who was just lovely. Uh, we do uh, strive to bring women on the show, though, um, as much as possible, but also uh, anyone of color. Uh, anyone in the LGBTQ community, because on our show, we are all about uh, shining a light on proper representation of people 
who have not historically had it. No. Yeah, that uh, that sounds familiar. We did a whole series for Pride Month. Yeah, we did. Um, in June because, you know, that, that intersectionality of people who are both disabled or chronically ill and LGBTQ+, I mean, those people don't get... They know. I always think the more boxes you tick on the kind of equality and diversity forms, the less representation and voice you have. Oh, absolutely. Completely agree with that one, Alice. <laughs> absolutely. I'd, yeah. It's, um, yeah, you get the, the you, you get smaller and smaller and smaller, don't you? Just to the, yeah. I can't see you. And, you know, I think that's, that's one of the awesome things about podcasting is that, like, especially when you're an independent show, you you make those rules and so you can decide who you have on um and you know how you're who you're representing um i mean it is unfortunately like so many industries it is dominated still by white men um but there are there are those th those of us out there who are trying to kind of shake things up and make a difference <laughs> i know where this is going what? I'm not saying anything. I, know, I am not yeah. saying anything. I know where it's, I know it's going to come out. You'll laugh next. But five, four, three, two. <laughs> I'm not going to say it now. I'm going to make you do it. You have to do it now. Just, just for winding me up. Word. I'm not. I don't know. The, well, you winded me up earlier. I don't know the word. What is it? You say. How do you say? It? You say it better than me. Um. So if you guys would like to help us continue to promote diversity and equality on the show uh, and help us reach a wider audience you can do that by uh, contributing to our GoFundMe to help us grow and uh, and and keep fighting the good fight there well, you go it's funny you say that because I am also actively trying to shake things up right now uh, so in November I am going to be presenting at the this is a mouthful the National Women's Studies Association Annual Conference. It's in uh, Minneapolis, Minnesota. Amazing. Nice. So I am going to be discussing women's representation in comic book films, uh, focusing specifically on the live-action Spider-Verse. Wow. Oh, wow. interesting. That is yeah. very that niche. so interesting. Yeah. yeah. So I... I also have a GoFundMe because, like, you guys have discovered these companies and, and you know... <laughs> Corporations just don't take monopoly money. No, no, no. Unfortunately, not. You can't just rock up with a smile and let pe and people will just give you stuff. Yeah. No. So any <laughs> donations would be greatly appreciated. It's a dollar spent towards you know being an ally towards women and helping to improve uh, representation on screen. And we will make sure that we've got the link and stuff like that absolutely um, in the show notes and on the socials when the episode comes out. Um, now that sounds like a really interesting topic. So I, uh, I did an ill-fated PhD. Turns out, um, uh, academics and higher education not great place for disabled people. No, I completed my higher education. Testify that it's not a great place for people. I mean, the nail, the 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 lead up in the nail in the coffin for me was when I. Uh, challenged my super my my male supervisor who was in his fifties and was engaged to a former student. Okay. Um, who this was two thousand and thirteen, so we're talking pre Tom Holland Spider Man. Uh, who when I said I'm talking about the Marvel Cinematic Universe, the Spider Man, 
um, Sony Spider-Mans are not part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, uh, said to me, I think, sweetheart, you'll find that you're wrong. I know what I'm talking about. Uh, no, sweetheart. You're wrong. <laughs> I, yeah, yeah. Um, that was the beginning of my journey to deciding to drop out of my PhD. Yeah, I don't blame um, you. No, no. Those two films never sullied the Infinity Saga. Thank you very much. <laughs> um, so... Um, but my PhD was, because I, I think that there is some interesting stuff in there, my PhD was going to be about father figures and inherited masculinity in the um, sort of first third of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Um, oh my God, I would have loved to read that. <laughs> because man, we talk, we talked, we didn't cover the whole Infinity Saga during our Marvel mm. years uh because the disney plus shows came out and we were just in that grind but there are so many daddy issues yeah to talk yeah. about it's was so much fun and you know it's such a a common trope that i think we're finally maybe starting to a little bit move away from yes um that was one of my biggest uh disappointments with shang chi that atrocity of a movie um was really we're we're doing daddy issues again yeah. yeah yeah um i mean i've been uh, it's gotten to the point now where i i'm not bothering to go to the cinema to see the film to see the marvel films anymore like we've got disney plus i'll watch it on my sofa in my pants when it comes out and can, can i also say that disney plus they are on it with release like putting new films that are on at the cinema you're not having to wait like ages before oh it's like, like they put like thought on you know you know what the biggest thing for me that uh is really is re disney the marvel films have always been i think very well audio described yeah. however to watch an audio described film in the cinema you you get given these set of bluetooth headphones that you know the 50 other blind people in your local area or people who are um who have hearing loss because they have the two channels um who they've they've worn over the last is it like, uh, six weeks is it like putting your feet in bowling shoes yeah a little bit yeah. and you have to sit in a very specific part yeah. of the cinema so the to make sure yeah yeah which doesn't necessarily work for me because because my field of vision is limited yeah like i i like to sit a little bit far back yeah. so i can see the majority of the screen uh. and then the audio description is there to give me the detail uh -huh. rather than i don't want to sit in the front like six rows otherwise all i can see is someone's chair exactly. and why do they think that if you're disabled you're automatically deaf and blind so you need to sit right close to the front so you get a crick in your neck where uh, you're like i can't see the screen properly um but the joy of um the joy of disney plus is that it's like we just have it automatically set up so every and netflix is surprisingly good as well mm. for most of the popular stuff um you can just turn it and it's just in my and i don't have to dick around with stupid headphones and i don't have to mess around with changing the settings all the time and trying to find the right place to sit and um so it is it's uh it, it's quite nice that um <laughs> that the stuff I'm, I'm not like i've got to get to the cinema before it's spoiled for me on the internet uh because it's coming out reasonably quickly on disney plus yeah and i can watch it in my living room and you yeah that that's been there was a lot of stress for us in that about like avoiding spoilers getting to mm -hmm. the theater especially with covid and everything mm. um but there was also a lot of stress when it came to 
covering the Disney Plus shows on the podcast because we, one, we were afraid to pitch people for interviews after a while because we're like, what if this is bad? Mm. Yeah. Especially after the disaster that was Hawkeye. I was yeah. extremely gun shy. And then it became super stressful because like, what if we don't like it? We mm-hmm. don't want to continue being negative. And then how does that affect our audience? Like Moon Knight was our breaking point uh, yeah. for a number of reasons. I had a lot of issues uh, with the way they handled mental health. My, I mean, my biggest, my biggest issue with that show from the get go, and I, I haven't watched the, I haven't, sorry, I haven't read the original comic book. Neither have I. But I am working under the assumption because of the way that Marvel works. I'm working under the assumption that uh, Moon Knight is supposed to be about somebody who's of Egyptian heritage, not someone who's of like, I, I think he's half Guatemalan. So Mark Spector was Jewish. American. Okay. Okay. And they cast Oscar Isaac and it it definitely created other casting problems within the show. And I remember thinking, you know, here's here's the problem. It's not whitewashing, but here's the thing, if any Let me say this right, sorry. I thought to myself, if any group of white people has a bone to pick about representation, it's Jewish people mm. and yeah. they're right. Yeah. Do you want to elaborate on that a little bit more? Yeah. So Oscar Isaac is Latino. Uh, mm-hmm. His family is from South America. He is one of those guys, though, you look at him and he can pass for a lot of things. Yeah. The issue is in the comics, Mark Spector's Jewish identity was very much a part of his life. Okay. And it was completely ignored. Yeah. On the show. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, with the exception of I think uh, his mother's shiva, and his father was also a rabbi. Wow, and that's not addressed at all. Mm-hmm. And then, like the kids who were playing Mark and his brother as mm-hmm. kids were mm-hmm. very clearly Hispanic. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And the parents also didn't match. And you know, Amy had a, a tougher time understanding all of this, not being American. And, you know, I also grew up in an area uh, where there were, you know, tons of Jewish people. So I understood a little bit more, like, how not kosher uh, all of that was to do on the show. Yeah, Yeah, it's interesting. It's in terms of uh, racism and race-related issues in this country, um, there is no denying that there there are, there is a, a... a vein of racism that is experienced by the Jewish community in this country that is unlike racism that is experienced by any other, you know, ethnic diverse, ethnically diverse community. Um, And it is not something that I think is, but it is not something that I think we as British people are as conscious of, or that is as discussed because I think there is a very strong narrative in um, America for from um, Jewish people who were displaced by the Nazis, who you know fled to America from across Europe, um, and who you know migrated following the war and things like that. We have, for us, you know, there were there were Jewish people who were put in what are essentially concentration camps in this country in the war 
um, for their own safety, quote unquote. Um, and so Jewish populations in this country, um, I think most people, when you talk about Judaism in Britain, people think of the um, Orthodox Hasidic Jews. It's, it is not something that is quite so, um, I think, commonly present in um, and, and so openly kind of talked about and people are not so aware of um, in this country in the way that I think uh, the, the Jewish experience is more kind of conscious um, and present, I think, in, in the States. Yeah, and it's just amazing to me. It's been, this has been one of the greatest frustrations with Marvel is sometimes they get representation. Sometimes they get representation so right, and sometimes mm -hmm. they get it so wrong. Yeah. I'm like, mm -hmm. how did you release this? How did they yeah. write that Black Widow script and call it a woman's film? Mm -hmm. How did a woman direct that? Jesus, Patty Jenkins, were you replaced by a reptilian making Wonder Woman 1984? <laughs> we just yeah. released that on our show. That was another movie that we desperately uh, wanted to discuss slash rant about that yeah. we couldn't when we were contained to Marvel. But that was that was one where we really just unleashed on mm -hmm. that movie because it is so full of internalized misogyny mm, but yeah. then then we can turn around the next week this coming monday and we can release goodwill hunting which is a which is an absolute modern classic that totally indicts toxic masculinity yeah. and just strips it down and rebuilds the whole concept of manhood in a place like boston i still to this day i have no idea how matt damon and ben affleck wrote that script no, especially when, um, you know, we know some of the things we now know about Ben, Affleck, ben Affleck's personal uh, life and the way that he has treated women. Yes, it is. Oh, it was a tough one for me to admit how much I like Chucky by the end of that movie and, yeah. and to admit what a great performance it is. I hate giving that man credit for anything. It's, it's I think this is one of the things that's really interesting and difficult about uh about movies and and i think performance art generally as well is that it's so hard to separate the the person mm. from the performance from the the writing from the direction um you know those things are all contribute to make a film or a piece of art what it is however you will i mean it we're we're dancing very dangerously into auteur theory from my uh, I was going to say I'm having flashbacks flashbacks um, oh my gosh <laughs> I was going to say here comes Francois Truffaut um, <laughs> sorry that's I feel like that's quite a sort of deep cut joke that very few people are going to get um, but yeah it's um, I think it's really I think it's really interesting and it's uh, that's part of what those discussions are isn't it is that that you can't help but bring your understanding of an actor to your watching of a film mm. um and then but then i think it's also really interesting looking back on stuff like goodwill hunting i mean that film must be what 25 years old now yep. 
uh, the people that we knew Ben Affleck and um, Matt Damon to be then, I think our understanding of who they are now is very different as well. Oh, yes, absolutely. Um, and that is obviously going to inform, you know, it, I sort of think it would be really interesting to what would a feminist reading of Goodwill Hunting have been when it came out 25 years ago? Mm. Yeah, I was just I was just listening to a podcast I found yesterday too called uh, a West Wing thing. Uh, oh yeah, um, is that uh, Dave Anthony? Yes, yeah, yeah. So I love the West Wing, and it was interesting though. I've listened to two episodes. It was interesting hearing two older guys talk about it because mm. when that first came out in '99, I was twelve. Yeah, I was really. I have no memory if I even did have an awareness then of what was going on in the country mm -hmm. at the time like i mm -hmm. knew about monica Lewinsky, of course because everybody did uh yeah. eventually but as far as everything else going on culturally i haven't watched the show uh with that context i also didn't watch the show till i was like 30. Mm -hmm. so they're coming from a totally different perspective and i might not be able to keep listening because i don't want to stop loving it I, if i want to like be able to yeah. to watch it in my own context. It's that's so interesting because um, so Dave Anthony also does the Dollop, which um, is a podcast that I have previously loved. It's had me like crying with laughter, um, and I think that sh I mean that show's been around for probably like six seven years now. Uh, I arrived to it during COVID. Um, and I was like, this is brilliant. This is brilliant. And then somebody said to me, it kind of sounds like two privileged white college guys talking about stuff. And yes, there's a lot. They, they work quite hard on allyship. They try and, and recognize um, kind of diversity and try and recognize um, the, the, try and recognize their own privilege. But the more I've listened to it, the more I hear them telling these stories from history. They're telling the stories of people of colour, yeah. of women, of disabled people. And they are two rich, middle-class, educated white guys. Yeah, they I'm are who like, they are at the end of the day. And and I just think, for me, there is, there is a more value to... If they were facilitating, if they were having those conversations with, you know, if they're talking about a person of color from history and they're telling their story, get a fucking black person on the show. What are you doing? Which is why you that's what we do. That's you know where possible. If we are talking about someone that we don't represent, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. we get a historian on who knows a bit more about it than we do because we tried to do a history lesson and butchered it um, yeah. ourselves. Uh, but when we're talking to people who like are person of color or from the LGBT community, um, we have no right to sit here and go, or oh, this is this and this is, and talk about those experiences because we are not people of color. Both Alice and I are not from the L, you know, we do not see ourselves identify. identify yeah. oh, thank you. That's, that's the so I was after identify as LGBTQ. Um, so we have no right to sit here and go, you know this this is what we think and tell our listeners you know go spreading that that rhetoric of what we think when it's quite easy just send a message to somebody on twitter and bob's your uncle you've got yourself a guess it's, it's that yeah, and easy isn't it really 
And doing the podcast, Amy and I have talked about this so many times. It has completely transformed the way we watch movies yeah. and shows now. Yeah. We we look for different things. We notice different things. Like we are uh, discussing soon uh, the movie The Perks of Being a Wallflower. Okay. Uh-huh. And before starting the podcast, I never would have noticed. There is literally not one single person of color in the entire movie. Mm. Not one. I looked. There is not even a single overweight person yeah. in the movie. There was just so many issues of representation with it. And, yeah. you know, it comes at a price. Like, I wouldn't trade doing this podcast for anything. But opening your eyes, it transforms old stuff mm. to the point where, like, I can't enjoy this anymore. No. Certain said things. that. Yeah. We said that we had a um we do episodes where we look back at um characters from fiction who have got disabilities and uh illnesses and differences and we had that conversation when we did the Jane Eyre episode mm-hmm. where um Lucy it's got a a character who becomes blind in in Jane Eyre and Lucy said to me as a blind person you know do you not find that representation offensive and I said honestly the first time I read this I think I was 12 I don't think I I got it, but I think that since growing as a person, I think moving through, you know, I did uh, literature studies and film studies and media studies um, throughout my kind of further and higher education. It's in it, it has kind of ruined stuff. Yeah, for me. it does. Like being an advocate for disability you know disabled people and disabled community often ruins ruins things that you want you to just, do you like, it's, oh no. man so did either of you watch uh on disney plus the falcon and the winter soldier yes okay for my sins yes okay <laughs> so do you remember uh when they were in i forget where it was uh when the Dora showed up and handed yeah. their asses to them and um, AO took back or um, released uh, Bucky's prosthetic arm. Yes. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. There was a woman, and there's so much of this out there on social media. This is why I say, like, women are also a problem. And uh, we're all part of that problem at some point or another with, uh, you know, defending the patriarchy and the internalized misogyny. Is some, some woman on Twitter put out this big thing of how dare she attacked this disabled man and one of his <laughs> thank you i was yeah i was figuring that would be your reaction Bitch, please i saw fucking red i said are you fucking kidding me he has goddamn superpowers yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. don't you dare call him disabled he can do more than one f- with one foot that i can do with my whole goddamn body yeah Oh, Jesus Christ. But it was it's, just that idea of, oh, must protect the big strong male. That, and that's, mm. that is because he's got a poly arm. Oh, no. They had to give him a fancy, uh, like, robot arm that does all sorts of shit. Alex, just want to make you aware that that is the same voice you use with Dora. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it, that's, that's what gets me about when you do see representation that you think, oh, actually, that's a really good. I'm not necessarily talking about some a disabled person with a superpower, you know, the added superpower. But like, if you see a representation of a disabled person, and you th- you you think to yourself, actually, yeah, that that's pretty. They've done the they've done the legwork there. They've put they've put the legwork in there. That that's quite 
I'm happy with that representation. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you go on Twitter four hours later and there is some white, privileged, able-bodied person going, oh, no, you can't do that. That's offensive to disabled people. And you're like, sorry, who did you speak to? Which one of us, which one of us <laughs> did you speak to uh, where they went? Uh, yeah, no, I'm really upset about that. But I can't, I can't get up themstairs to make that complaint. Can you do it for me? Um, yeah. Which one of, which one of us said that that was an issue? Like, and collectively as well, especially on Twitter, you can see when disabled people, the, the disability community on Twitter are happy or unhappy with a representation of Oh, yeah, disabled. we fucking we, let you we know. We will let you know if we're not very happy. <laughs> but we're, they're like, genuinely, like, yeah, and you get a sense of, yeah, that was a good, that was, that was a, a good piece of representation. Well done there, yeah. you know? And, um, you know, one of the people, one of the Marvel people I have to give tremendous credit to, as always, is Charlie Cox. Yeah. What a job he did playing a blind man, at least I thought so, Lucy, uh, or uh, uh, Alice, rather. How did you feel about Charlie Cox's portrayal? Because he, he went all out in preparing so for that role. Yes. And the, uh, again, this is where it's, I think, an interesting conversation he he performed very well as an actor he did he did a very good job um of putting the work in to experience what it's to to try and represent what it's like to be blind but i don't see why that role couldn't have gone to a blind man no there's no reason why a blind man couldn't have done that because i'm blind i could see well enough to do a choreo choreographed fight scene I could see well enough to sit at a desk and pretend to be a lawyer. You know, I, it's, it's, it's that, uh, those, those are my problems with, and it's, it's funny because we had a conversation with um, Leo Alanak during our um, Pride Month. He is a um, filmmaker and that he, they, I'm sorry, Leo, I'm butchering your, um, your pronouns here. I believe you are a he. Um, and Leo talked to us about the um oh what are they called shadow and bone the shadow and bone shows on um netflix and there's a character on uh, in that kaz brecker who um uses a walking aid and i was like i i went having read those books i went oh i thought that casting was so good i jumped straight into it i was like i was really impressed and Leo went, went i was so annoyed <laughs> because He's a fucking able-bodied person and you could have cast a person with a walking impairment in that role. There is absolutely no reason why you couldn't. And it's that, that is where my problems come down is casting a non-disabled person to play a disabled person is like casting a white person in blackface. Mm. Yeah. And as much as people always say, oh, but there are, you know, accessibility issues for sets and it always works for the, it it never fucking works for the stories because it, the stories are always, oh, now he can walk or he couldn't walk before and now he's disabled. So you couldn't cast a wheelchair user to play somebody who used to walk and then becomes disabled. But those, I, I mean, that's a problem with the stories that they're telling. That's true. So, um, did you watch, uh, you watch Hawkeye? I did watch Hawkeye. How did you feel and about Echo? I thought she was amazing. Yeah, I she... thought, I thought it should just they cast a they cast a um, Indigenous American deaf woman to play an Indigenous American deaf character. 
and it's just, it's, just, it's, it's like logical yeah. i don't understand yeah. why you do anything yeah. else the crazy thing on twitter that i saw and it was white guys who were like yeah. oh look at marvel trying to be a bunch of sjw's and trying to tick as many diversity boxes as possible with this character she's a real human being yeah. you morons she really is an amputee she, and she, she really is all of these things people she exist. existed she existed in the comic books before they didn't write her for that they didn't go oh we're all woke now it's time to have a disabled person of color like, in the, can I, in the show. Hey, like i hate the term woke to be honest i really hate the term woke and when people band it about as an insult it's just like it's just being aware of other people that's what it is we i had a i had a family event recently mm. and there were some older people and i'm not talking like 90 no. i'm talking people we were celebrating a 60th birthday mm -hmm. so there were a lot of people who were late 50s early 60s at this event and someone said someone said something uh, moderately homophobic and i went no i'm not fucking having that and <laughs> and essentially well so they this person said um that they did not like one of my favorite bands they were not into florence and the machine because when they happened to see florence and the machine at a festival the male drummer was playing a pink drum kit and that is insert derogatory term what? here and what? i went what? What? i went <laughs> i went who does what does who he's fucking have to do with his abilities to play the drums? And also the fact and he got a pink drum kit. What? What? What does, what what? does it fucking matter? Yeah, yeah. What does it matter at all? Oh, man. Um, that conversation spiralled into a woman who I've known for a while, who I've previously respected, saying, I have a real problem with um, all this woke stuff. It's a bunch of people telling you what opinions you should have. And I turned around and I said woke is not about opinions no. be if you are woke that it simply means that you see people and accept people for who they are homophobia is not an opinion believing that people are bad because of their sexuality is not an opinion it is like believing that the world is flat despite all scientific evidence it's wrong <laughs> did you call them a flat earther i mean essentially um yeah they, was... they really can't get it through their heads that there is no. opinion and there is just wrong yeah yeah and it's just being like mindful of, of difference you know and that you know your one opinion does not win all do you know what i mean it's just it really winds me up that and it's you know it, i Someone else at this party was sitting there going, oh, people talk about how it's a man's world. It's not a fucking man's world anymore. Men can't do anything. And I was like, oh, it's really terrible that you can't go around calling young women sweetheart and raping people. Isn't it terrible? That's what I want to say. To what so a many party! These, you know, the, the MAGA assholes here. Yeah. yeah. Men, what rights do you not have that you yeah. are so concerned Upset about. about. Yeah. Please Upset. tell me. Yeah. 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 What what are you losing by women and minorities gaining more rights? Yeah. More rights for others does not mean less rights for you. Do you think it means do you think they're worried that we're gonna show them up? Yes, it's fear. <laughs> it is one thousand yeah. percent fear. 
you look back in history every time, the more one group vilifies another, the more they are actually afraid of them. That, that's what it came down to with the Nazis. The Nazis were afraid of the Jews. They yeah. actually believed the Jews to be superior to them. And that's why they had to eradicate them. It's it's a it's a power thing. It's exact. It's absolutely that. It's if you let other people have rights and opportunities, then you might get knocked off the top. Yeah, and people want to be on the top because that's where the money is. Yeah, I mean, I I grew up in that kind of household. That's one of the reasons why I no longer have contact. Uh, I took took that step and completely cut off contact um, yeah. with my family. Um, not only for that, but. Because of what it does to us, and this is another thing people don't understand, it affects our bodies. That kind of yeah. stress and negativity affects our bodies so much more. My acupuncturist sat me down and gave me a lecture. It was like his version of yelling at me, which was just talking a little bit more uh, with in like intently. And incense in the background. <laughs> pretty much. Pretty much. He was the most soft-spoken, kindest man uh, you'll ever meet. But he told me, he said, Krista, they are killing you mm. if you don't step away from all that stress your body is never going to heal so i haven't looked back um and i just you know want to tell everybody out there if if you are in a family like that and your health is suffering as a result you don't owe them anything no this is the the conversation that came out of the uh woke drama from the weekend was that blood is not enough like, just because someone is your blood, it doesn't mean that you have to see them, you have to like them, you have to have anything. Love is earned regardless, regardless of what your relationship is. Yeah. yeah. If, even if you came out of somebody, if they made you, <laughs> they don't get to abuse you. They don't get to control you. Nobody gets to do that. Yeah. And I mean, you know, it, it literally, it extends, I think, beyond our family into not just our friends but the the world that we allow ourselves to live in mm -hmm. and you know th the issues i had growing up you know the issues i had as a as a teenager and in my early 20s with my body were because i had allowed myself to be surrounded by this rhetoric of you're disabled so you're not good enough yeah. this is there is something wrong with you this yep. is your fault this is your problem and actually, it's since allowing myself to to hear the voices. Most a lot of it comes from hearing the voices of other disabled people and other minorities who go, "No, that's their problem. That's them mm -hmm. putting their shit on you." Actually, how do you feel about yourself? That's that's what matters. It doesn't fucking matter what anybody else says or thinks. No, I do like it when an episode goes full circle. <laughs> It uh, makes me feel very, very at peace with how neat that was. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's almost like we planned it. We yeah. didn't. No, we we, didn't. we don't plan things yeah. over at the, on the label podcast. We are pure chaos. <laughs> yes, pencil always. <laughs> always, <laughs> always pencil. <laughs> Chris, oh, it's, Kristen, it's been so lovely to speak to you today. Uh, I hope you've this enjoyed it so much fun. I hope you've enjoyed it as much as we have. I have. Thank you so much for having me, ladies. You're very welcome. No, it's been fabulous, Anna. And if you ever need some slightly dissatisfied media graduates <laughs> to come on the show and talk about films we've seen, <laughs> we would love to come and guest over on the Maddens. Yeah, it sounds good. I'm sure at some point, uh, maybe I can even make a month of it, of discussing some kind of 
um, having the topic of uh, disability, chronic illness representation yeah. in film. In yeah. fact, I'm going to note that down right now. There you go. You see, I'm glad we're in the, the fact Making that I haven't, happen. the fact that I haven't thought of that until now shows the <laughs> internalized ableism, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, well, we're glad to be of inspiration. Um, where can people find your show, Krista? They can find us on any uh, podcast listening platform. We are on Twitter and Instagram at The Madams Pod. And our website is also nice and easy, themadamspod.com. See, why didn't we think of that? We had to dick around with a stupid spelling podcast name. Yeah. And we've <laughs> we've regretted it ever now. We've regretted it ever since. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We got to like episode three and we're like, oh, it's too fucking late I now. I think we had, our, we had our first media appearance in the local news and they were like, how do we, how do you spell that? We spent 25 minutes and it's L. It's <laughs> 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 This is really hard work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Thank you team out there for listening. We love you. You know that we love you. Um, you love us as well. I know you do. Um, but <laughs> But prove it by leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts. Uh, that's that's uh, what we need to see. That Slightly helps us aggressive. grow. Slightly <laughs> I've been nice. It's, you've you've had the you've had the carrot. Now it's time for the fucking stick. Okay. We'll see you next time. Bye bye. Bye. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Label Podcast. If you like the show, you can rate, review, and subscribe, and you can follow us on social media at labeled pod this episode was edited by adam hall our music was by Maisie crunden and we'd like to thank the rest of the team involved